Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 71 of A Pond Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Uh, I know that's very unusual for me to be doing a Tuesday episode, but folks, I don't have work today. Uh, if you've been watching the news, uh, you've probably seen that it snowed pretty heavily in the D.C. area over uh, the last day or so, and that snow has turned into ice, and the roads, and everything is just a mess right now in D.C., um, and this is, I mean, D.C. is one of those weird places where they kind of know how to deal with snow, and kind of don't know how to deal with snow, and this time, just didn't seem like they were prepared for it at all, so, um, I figured, with, with me not working today, uh, might as well do a podcast episode, our first episode of the new year, 2022, I, all I, you know, I, every time I hear somebody say 2022, I, I just hope it's not like the sequel to 2020, like 2022. Like, I really hope not, because 2020 sucked, and uh, 2021 was not much better. So I'm hoping that 2022 will finally be the year we start to come out of our COVID doldrums. But I'm doing well. Uh, I'm back in D.C., back in the DMV. I went to New York last week uh, to visit my family. Um Despite COVID being crazy all across the country, being crazy in New York City, being crazy in D.C. where I live, uh, I still decided to go home last week. Uh, I, I got many. I, I've been tested probably more in the last two weeks for COVID than I've been tested at any point during this pandemic. Um, but uh, all all of my tests so far have come back negative. I'm still waiting on a few others, but I would imagine they're negative as well. Um, it was good to see my family in New York. Um, you know, I just got to make sure that, you know, you, you, you're okay, that you don't have COVID and that, you know, nobody around you has COVID of course. So that's why I'm getting all these tests, but it was still really good to see my family. Uh, it was a really enjoyable time back in New York. Um, I wish I got a chance to go to a Knicks game while I was in New York, but unfortunately, uh, they were out of town all week. Pretty much every New York team was out of town all week. Um, except for like, teams I don't really care about, like the Nets, the Islanders, teams like that, I just uh, don't, they're kind of irrelevant to me. Uh, I, I, I didn't have any interest in seeing those. Um, but if it was if the Knicks were at home, I totally would have tried to go to Madison Square Garden. Uh, we'll be talking about the Knicks first. Um, I'll just basic rundown of the show. Of course, we're going to start with the Knicks uh, and their recent struggles as well. Um, still dealing with COVID issues on this team. Still a number of guys in the protocols including Julius Randle. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to uh, the next segment. We're going to recap uh, NFL Week 17. Pretty crazy week overall for the NFL. A lot of great football, some great games. Some real, I mean, honestly, might have been one of the best Week 17s, one of the best weeks of football, period, that we've seen in a really long time. So much crazy stuff happening from Antonio Brown losing his mind to the Bucks actually winning that game on a game-winning touchdown from Tom Brady, uh, the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase connection. Uh, it's, it's a lot happened in Week 17 as well. And the playoff picture right now is a mess. We'll try and sort through all of that during the NFL segment. I'm going to recap fantasy football, uh, what happened in the Impractical League, and uh, what happened in my other leagues that I'm in. Uh, spoiler alert, I won two out of my three leagues that I'm in this year. I wish I had won the Impractical League because that's... My fa- you know, I don't want to say it's my favorite league because I, I like the other leagues as well, but, uh, come on, I mean, I like some of the other leagues, but, you know, um, 
I wanted to make the playoffs in that one because that's the league I'm the commissioner in. But uh, I'll recap what happened in that league plus the two leagues I actually won uh, as well. And then you know we've got the outro for you guys today. Uh, got a couple stories to run through during the outro. Uh, Washington football team looks like it's getting a new name. Uh, Ken Rosenthal was fired by MLB Network. Um, talk a little bit about the Rangers a little bit during the outro as well, who have been playing some great hockey. You guys know I'm not the biggest hockey guy in the world, but it is good to see the Rangers playing uh, great hockey right now. We'll talk about a few other things as well in the outro. This is going to be a great show, guys. It's going to be a great show. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just beat today, guys. I'm tired as hell. Uh, I mentioned all the snow in the D.C. area. Uh, when I got home from work yesterday, uh, I instantly shoveled. My house has two driveways, and I shoveled both of them. And, uh, I mean, I, first off, I like shoveling snow. I really do like shoveling snow. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I get a kick out of, like, you know, hoisting snow into, you know, into areas where there wasn't snow. And I like that a lot. I think it's a lot of fun you know, building piles of snow. Uh, the only thing that wasn't fun was that my back is killing me. Uh, my back has been killing me uh, ever since I finished uh, doing the snow. I've been lying down constantly since uh, I finished doing the shoveling yesterday. So while it, it, was, I, it was fun and I enjoy it, was a great workout. I mean, that's it's always a good workout to get the adrenaline pumping. Uh, my back is killing me. My, my back is, is absolutely killing me right now. So uh, bear with me as we get through this episode. Um, other than that, you know things are things are pretty good right now. Uh, stay safe with COVID out there and everything. Uh, you know, I, I if you've got symptoms, if you feel like you need to, you know, get tested, uh, please get tested uh, for COVID nineteen. Just to be safe, you know, you need to take every precaution possible during these these. Uh, I hate to use uh, a term that's been used all pandemic, but. Uh, unprecedented times. Uh, please, please stay safe during these unprecedented times. Uh, get your booster, get your vaccine if you haven't already. Um, just stay safe, guys. Just stay safe. And with that being said, thank you for rocking with me on today's Tuesday episode. Let's get into it, folks. It's time to talk about the New York Knickerbockers. Here we go. Alright guys, we have a couple weeks worth of games to go through for the Knicks. The last game we recapped for them was the December 18th game. Brian's Beloved, by the way. Welcome to Brian's Beloved, where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this week. Shout out to Pat Honan, as usual, for coming up with the name for that, the unofficial associate producer. Uh, We've got about two weeks worth of, yeah, exactly, two weeks worth of Knicks games to go through here. Um, and a lot has happened uh, in that time uh, since then. Uh, I mentioned at the start of the show, there's still a number of guys. They have been getting guys slowly back from the COVID protocols, but even as they've been getting guys back, guys have been going into the COVID protocols. Um, Julius Randle went into the COVID protocols last week. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, he went in as well. He's back now. Mitchell Robinson was only out for one game, but he's back now. Uh, from the protocols, Nerlens Noel, uh, the other center on this team, the other main center on this team, uh, is still in the COVID protocols. Jericho Sims just came back from the COVID protocols, so there's, it's still going on. And you guys remember when we talked about this last time, all the guys the Knicks had uh, out due to uh, the health and safety protocols. Um, but interesting, a lot. It's, it's it's been kind of up and down. They've have some wins. They do have some wins in these these two weeks. 
They haven't been pretty wins, though. They're, like, a lot of them have, have been kind of ugly wins. And we'll talk about some of them. Uh, first off, we're going to start with the Tuesday, December 21st. Uh, the game against the Detroit Pistons. That game was at Madison Square Garden. It was pretty easy win for the Knicks. Um, they won 105-91 to in that game. Just, I mean, at times the Pistons cut it close in this game. Still, it was not. It wasn't enough, and they had uh, a couple other. Uh, they have a couple of their key players out for this game as well, including Jeremy Grant, who's the Pistons' best player by far. I mean, this is we're talking about a five-win Detroit Pistons team here, uh, and Jeremy Grant was out for them. It's a huge portion of their team, so the Knicks were able to win this game pretty easily, uh, despite no R.J. Barrett, uh, despite no Emmanuel Quickly as well. Uh, despite guys like Wayne Selden and Damian Dotson getting minutes for this team, the Knicks still won this game. Mitchell Robinson off the bench in this game. This was before Noel went into the protocols. I think this was Mitchell Robinson's best game of the season to this point. Uh, he had another great game that we'll talk about in a little bit against Minnesota, but Mitchell Robinson in this game against Detroit, 17 points, 14 rebounds, a great all-around night for him. He's 8 of 9 from the field as well. Um, Evan Fournier led the team with 22 points. Kemba Walker, who, like I mentioned uh, in the last episode, I know I, I mean, the last episode was a couple weeks ago now, but Kemba Walker had just come back. He played that game against the Celtics before this, and then this was his second game back for the Knicks against the Detroit Pistons. Kemba had a good game with 21 points. He also had eight rebounds, five assists. Julius Randle, again, not his most efficient night. Not, not Kemba's most efficient night either, by the way, I should mention. He was only 8 of 21 from the field. Julius was 8 of 18 from the field. They both had 21 points in this game. Randall also had 11 rebounds. Really not a whole lot to say about this game. Uh, pretty easy stuff. I'm Detroit's not good. You expected them to win this game no matter who was out there, no matter how many guys were in the COVID protocols. I still expected the Knicks to win this game. The next game, two nights later, December 23rd, was against the Washington Wizards. Um, the Wizards did not have Bradley Beal in this game. He was placed in the health and safety protocols for them right before this game. So I had a good feeling going into this one that the Wizards, or excuse me, that the, the Knicks were going to take care of business against the Wizards. I watched this game with Mike uh, and Tim uh, at Robbie's house while I was house-sitting for Robbie. Uh, they went home happy. I did not. I was not happy after this game. A 124 to 117 loss uh, to the to the, the Wizards. Now let's start with the good news in this game. The good news: Kemba Walker. Kemba had his best game of the season, probably his best game in several years. Honestly, he had 44 points for the Knicks this game. He almost had a triple double. 44 points, nine rebounds. 8 assists, 14 of 27 shooting, 7 of 14 from 3. There were times in this game where Kemba Walker straight up was not missing. If I remember correctly, I think he had like 20-something points in the second quarter alone. So the Knicks look good, but look, guys, to give up 124 points to a Bradley Beal-less Wizards team is unacceptable. At home, too, at Madison Square Garden. Like I know it's a regular season loss, but Tom Thibodeau has been... No, he's supposed to be the defensive guy, right? He's supposed to be the defensive coach. Why has the defense gone away so much this year? I don't get it. I don't. This is yet another example of that. This game was just frustrating, and, and yet another awful third quarter for the Knicks, which the Wizards had 33 points, and the Knicks only had 22. Um, just a disappointing loss for the Knicks, despite Kemba's incredible night. 
In incredible night. The crowd was going crazy, of course. They were chanting his name, Kemba, 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 Kemba Walker. But it wasn't enough. Just looking at the Wizards box score, Corey Kispert, I think, made his first career NBA start in this game, and he was great. He was 6 of 7 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. He had 20 points for the Wizards. Spencer Dinwiddie was the leading scorer as well for the Wizards. He was 7 of 14 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, also had 12 assists. And Kyle Kuzma, who's been great all season for the Wizards, had 18 points and 10 rebounds as well. So they didn't even really need Beal. They also got some bench points from Advia and uh, Montrez Harrell. They didn't really need Beal in this game. So my friends, Mike, Tim, Robbie, Champ, all the Wizards fans I know, they were happy after this game. I was not. I, that, was a, that was a bad loss, in my opinion. They should have played. I, I don't think there's an excuse to lose to a Bradley Bealist Wizards team. Uh, on your home floor. That's just me. That's just me talking. So that was Tuesday, December 23rd, and the next game was Christmas, uh, and the Knicks won that game, um, which was awesome. I, I mean, I was fired up when they won on Christmas, guys, not only because it was on Christmas and Christmas wins in general. First off, the Knicks hadn't won on Christmas since 2011, I think, against the Celtics. I remember that game. Uh, I remember that game very well, actually. The Knicks won. It was a very close game against the Celtics. Came down to the last shot. I believe Kevin Garnett was out of that game for the Celtics. But the Knicks still found a way to win that game. Uh, and then in this game, kind of a similar circumstance to that, uh, an ugly game, low-scoring kind of game, a 101-87 final. Trey Young and a lot of other players for the Atlanta Hawks were still in the health and safety protocols for this game for Atlanta on Christmas Um uh, so it, it wasn't their optimal lineup as well. They, they played Lance Stevenson some big minutes as well. But um, the Knicks got pretty much everyone back in this game. So for a minute, the team was whole <laughs> on Christmas. For a minute, it, it was like the unit, was like the, the team as a whole was back. Um, it was your usual starting lineup. It was Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Kemba Walker, uh, Evan Fournier, and R.J. Barrett. Of course, uh, Mitchell Robinson was starting as Noel was placed in the protocols, of which he's still not out of yet, by the way, I should mention. Um, maybe he's hurt. I don't know. So Noel's been out for a damn long time. And I know they shortened the, the amount of time now from, it used to be 10 days, now it's 5 days. I wonder if there's like a grandfather clause where Noel has to be in for 10 days because he tested positive before that change, but... I still interesting to me uh, that Noel's been out for this long. Either way, Knicks win this game, 101 to 87. The star of the game, Kemba Walker, the first triple double in Knicks history on Christmas. I, I said that wrong. It's the first Knicks triple double on Christmas ever. Uh, that that makes it a little clearer. He had 10 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. So not a great scoring night, really. Not really you know, shining in every category, but a triple double. Is a triple-double. I mean, James Harden had a triple-double later that day against the Lakers, and nobody cared because the Nets are irrelevant and the Knicks are the team of New York. And Everybody was talking about Kemba Walker's triple-double after that game. Uh, he was great. Julius Randle had a, had a good game as well. He had a double-double, 25 points, 12 assists. Um, Evan Fournier, 15 points. Quinton Grimes, out of the protocols at that point, finally back. Had 15 points for the Knicks, five three-pointers for Grimes. He's a great, great, great three-point shooter. That is one thing I can say about Quentin Grimes. He is a fantastic three-point shooter. So all a lot of good feelings after this game. 
Uh, I, I, I think I said this on the last episode, but I'll say it again if I didn't. Uh, I wanted Trey Young to play in this game. I, I wanted Trey Young to play against the Knicks because, you know, last year in the playoffs it was so hostile with the fuck Trey Young, fuck Trey Young's chance. Um, I think it would have been cool to see him go at the crowd at Madison Square Garden for another another round on, on Christmas too. The day where you're supposed to be nice to everyone, I guess. Um, but uh, I was a little bummed that he he was out for that game. Trey's back now. Uh, he actually scored 56 points last night against the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, my God. But um, he's a hell of a player. Uh, he's, he's still the villain in New York. He's not valid. He's still ain't good in Dykeman. But uh, Trey Young is, is definitely a hell of a player. Um, for the Hawks in this game, they got a couple 20-point uh, scores. John Collins had 20 points for this ge- in this game for the Hawks. DeLon Wright also had 20 points for the Hawks in this game. Cam Reddish had 10. That's about it. They really did not get a whole lot of scoring in this game. They really missed Trey Young in this game. And that's why the Hawks, you know, who went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, are kind of in the same boat as the Knicks right now in that, that middle-of-the-road area, uh, play-in, play-off type range. Uh, so... Everybody's feeling good after the Christmas game. I mean, Nick's first Christmas win since 2011. Uh, first time they had been on Christmas in a couple of years. Um, you might remember, uh, I mean, I think I think the Knicks gave the NBA good reason to take them off Christmas, to be honest, because how bad they were. But now the Knicks are relevant again. Uh, I mean, here they are back on Christmas. So that was that was great. That was definitely one of the highlights of my Christmas day, for sure, watching the Knicks win that game, if not the highlight of my Christmas Day, watching the Knicks win that game. Uh, there was a lot of good basketball on Christmas Day. Some really, really good stuff on Christmas Day. I, I love, I, I I, think I'll go out and say it. I'll go out on a limb and, and say it, guys. And you guys know I'm not, I mean, I'm NBA before football every day of the week. NBA on Christmas is better than NFL on Thanksgiving. I mean, come fight me on that, guys. Come fight me on that. But I'll take the NBA on Christmas over the NFL on Thanksgiving any day of the week. Any day of the week and Sunday. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't that didn't even make any sense. But anyway, I, I'm a big fan of the NBA on Christmas. I think it's one of the best sports days of the year. Um, that leads us into the road trip. Now I mentioned I went to New York last week, and the Knicks were not at home while I was in New York. They were on the road the entire week. Um, they went to Minnesota, win. Detroit, win. Uh, Oklahoma City, loss. Toronto, loss. And we'll go through all four of those games quickly here. Uh, neither of the wins, the Minnesota win or the Detroit win, were particularly ugly. I can't wait to talk about that Detroit game because there's one stat I've been dying to talk about from that Detroit game. But um, the first game against Minnesota uh, on a Tuesday, uh, it was Tuesday, December 28th um, in Minnesota. Now, the Timberwolves were without... Several of their key players, and the Knicks got off to a very good start in this game. If I remember correctly, they had a 20-point lead at one point, but Minnesota actually cut it down to three before halftime and ended up taking the lead in the second half. And this is a Minnesota team that was without all of their key players. They were without Anthony Edwards. They were without Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, They were without D'Angelo Russell as well. Um, And yet they still hung tough with the Knicks. Uh, nobody really stood out for the Knicks in this game. Uh, I'm just taking a look at the plus-minus now. Let's see if the plus-minus can tell us anything here. Uh, 
Not really in this game. I mean, Emmanuel quickly was great as usual. He was a plus 12. Um, I, I'm only bringing up the plus minus because that's what I want to bring up in the next game as well. Just to see if it was as bad as it was in this game. But the, the bench, once again, made a difference, I thought, in this game. Obi Toppin. I forgot to mention Obi's Christmas dunk, which was fantastic. Uh, another reverse between the legs. Dunk by Obi Toppin. Um, it was at the end of the game. Uh, everybody's fired up. R.J. Barrett did a little skip behind him, um, and uh, I, I, I've been an advocate. Look, I'm a bit of an Obi Toppin stan, if you will. I don't know if stan's the right word for it, but um, I, I, lo- I like the kid a lot. Like he's one of my, I actually ordered an Obi Toppin jersey uh, the other day, so I'm hoping that gets it. I, I like the kid a lot. He provides a lot of energy, and this game was no different in 11 minutes. Uh, he was 3 of 3 from the field, 7 points he needs. I mean, at this at this point, everybody was pounding the drum for Obi to play more minutes because Julius had yet another bad game. He was 5 of 20 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. He had 13 points. He did have 15 rebounds, but still um, an off, not an efficient night for Julius once again. Not a lot of efficiency across the board in the starting lineup. Kemba Walker, 3 for 11. Evan Fournier, 5 for 14. R.J. Barrett, 3 for 10. But the one guy... The one guy who stepped up in this Minnesota game, and I mentioned it a couple minutes ago in the Detroit game, the first Detroit game, how that was his best game of the season. Well, he topped it for sure in this game, and that would be Mitchell Robinson. 14 points, 18 rebounds. Um, He looked like he got hurt a little bit in this game as well, but he said he was fine. He um, said in his post-game interview he was all good to go. He just got a little banged up, a little nicked up. And he was good to go. And the Knicks would not have won this game without Mitchell Robinson. So, ugly win? Absolutely. Ugly, ugly, ugly win. This is not the type of you know, I want, like, easy wins. And it looked like this was going to be an easy win when they had a 20-point lead at one point. But Minnesota was able to cut it down. and um, and But luckily, the Knicks were able to pull it on and win, win the game from there. 96-88 to is the final score uh, in this one. For uh, for the Knicks, the next night, the very next night, they go to a team that is much worse. Uh, I mean, again, a really bad team in the NBA. Uh, once again, in the Detroit Pistons, the second time they played the Detroit Pistons, again uh, in a week, they won the game, ninety-four to eighty-five. I just want to talk about the plus-minus guys. I, I've been, I look, not, I don't think plus-minus can be representative of how how well you play in a game like every time like I, I think it's valuable sometimes but not every time this is an example of where plus minus is extremely extremely telling i'm just going to go through the starting lineup for the knicks and their plus minus you, you ready for this guys you ready for this julius randall minus 27 mitchell robinson minus 22 kemba walker minus 21 rj barrett minus 29 and quentin grimes who started this game because evan fournier was um dealing with an injury uh so grimes got moved into the starting lineup (laughs) and even he was a minus 17 he didn't have any points in this game uh none of the starters did particularly well uh julius randall only had five points in this game uh, Mitchell Robinson, 7. Kemba Walker with only 2. After winning Eastern Conference Player of the Week, by the way, congratulations to Kemba on that after his great games against the Wizards and the Hawks uh, the week before. Kemba won Player of the Week. 
RJ Barrett had 15, but he was still a minus 29. All of the Knicks' efficiency came from the bench in this game. All of the efficiency and all of the the reason the Knicks won this game was because of the bench. The bench played extremely well down the stretch in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, the starters didn't play a single minute. They were able to turn a 15-point Knicks deficit into a win. Those bench players did great, and none did better than Alec Burks, the best closer in New York since Mariano Rivera, as I call him. 34 points in this game for A.B., the closer, Alec Burks. And listen to the pluses. Listen to the plus-minus on the bench for the Knicks in this game. Obi Toppin, plus 36. Taj Gibson, plus 31. Miles McBride did not score a single point in this game. And you want to know what his plus-minus was? He was a plus 39. A plus 39. That just goes to show you how good his defense was and how effective he was on the floor. That's excellent stuff from Deuce McBride. And Alec Burks, a plus 28 on the floor. And IQ, who had 18 points of his own. Another great game for the kid. Um, He had a plus 27. So the bench did great in this game. And a lot of people were clamoring at this point for the bench to start to get more minutes. People really wanted Obi Toppin to play more in particular. People were like, why isn't Obi playing more? Julius Randle's playing like shit. He was 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. Like, why are you, Why isn't Obi Toppin playing more? Why isn't Obi Toppin playing more? Why isn't Obi Toppin playing more? Well, the next day, those fans got their wish. Now, I'd like to make this clear. I, I mentioned how I love Obi Toppin, how I was really happy that Obi Toppin would get more minutes. I want to make this clear. I'm, I am not happy that Julius Randle got COVID. I, I want to make... I don't do... I am not happy about that at all. Like, the, the idea that like I, that people would think that I'm happy that Julius Randle got COVID is... Like, some people do on Twitter, is, is ridiculous. I just think it's good for Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin had been languishing. He'd been dying to get more minutes. He had been dying to play more for the Knicks this season and he, he he this was his chance Julius Randle getting placed into the protocols was his chance and actually I think Julius Randle as as bad as this may sound I think Julius Randle going into the COVID protocols could be a, a good thing for Julius Randle as well because he had been struggling so mightily he'd been playing so poorly the fans were all over him the fans were yelling at him so much and I think it could be good for Julius Randle possibly to reset, come back stronger, get back to what you were doing last season that made you the most improved player in the NBA. Um, and if you do that, you're golden. You're golden, Julius Randle. And so I think this stay, and I hope at least this stay in the health and safety protocols will do Julius Randle some good. Uh, I obviously hope he gets well soon. Um and I hope this is good for clearing his head, honestly. I, I think it could be a good move overall for getting Julius Randle's head right and back to where he was last season. And it's good for Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin gets a little bit of playing time uh, in Julius Randle's absence. Now, unfortunately, um, anybody who said that the Knicks were, were better without Julius Randle, which I'll admit I had some thoughts about. I was like, maybe this team's better without Julius Randle. Maybe, you know, maybe we don't really need him. Maybe this, maybe these couple games with Obi Toppin starting will show that we don't really need Julius Randle. We can trade him, maybe bring him in for, you know, a, another player or so. Um, that's, that's, 
It's not what happened. Um, so this this first game against the Thunder uh, with Toppin in the starting lineup was on New Year's Eve, uh, and it was an awful game. The Thunder only have 13 wins on the season, and uh, they blew the Knicks out. A pathetic offensive effort from the Knicks in this one. Uh, only 80 points in this game. Uh, Miles McBride also started this game because Kemba Walker uh, was dealing with some knee, knee issues as well. Man. Does this team miss Derrick Rose? Ah, does this team miss D Rose? We need D Rose back soon, man. Ah, God, this team needs Derrick Rose back. As much as I like Deuce McBride, uh, he is not ready to start. He, and Derrick Rose, if they if they had Derrick Rose, that would be just a huge. Huge weapon to have, honestly. This game was awful. No, nobody in the Knicks starters scored double figures except for R.J. Barrett, who had 26 points. Uh, IQ, Emmanuel quickly had 11 points. They were the only two Knicks to score in double figures. The Knicks scored their fewest points in an NBA game since 2018. So that goes to tell you what what it was like at, at this in this awful game, Kevin Knox played a little bit in this game. He had seven points. Kevin Knox was all right in limited minutes off the bench, I thought. Uh, but Alec Burks kind of came back to earth after that great game against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, he had only nine points. Uh, Evan Fournier, who I've mentioned several times I'm not a huge fan of, only three points. Uh, Mitchell Robinson had nine and 12. Yeah, this game sucked, guys. <laughs> no other way around it. Obi only had five, one of four shooting. Uh, and for the Thunder, just looking at their their box score, um, I think they were expecting not to have a couple guys in the protocols, but they had Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's one of the up-and-coming stars in this league, uh, and he's just a beast, and he scored 23 points for the Thunder in this game, and they won by 15, 95-80, to 80, and the Knicks end, the new year, end 2021 uh, with a loss. A blowout loss. Kind of actually, you know, what's kind of funny is they ended 2020 last year, uh, also playing on New Year's Eve against the Raptors, uh, and they got blown out in that game as well. Uh, spe- speaking of getting blown out against the Raptors, uh, good segue here. Uh, speaking of getting blown out against the Raptors in the very next game for the Knicks, the last game they played uh, before today, uh, they got blown out against the Raptors, 120 to 105. Uh, random, random start time for this game, 3.30 on a Sunday. I know it's in Toronto. Um, I know they don't really care about football, but that's kind of a random start time for an NBA basketball game, if you ask me. Uh, there was nobody at the stadium. I believe Canada is basically on lockdown at this point. They're not letting fans into their arenas or stadiums right now, um, at least in Toronto. I'm not sure what the rest of Canada is looking like right now. Uh, I believe that all. I, I think I talked about this in the last episode as well. But there's cross-border travel in the NHL. I believe is still suspended right now. Um, so, yeah, um, it, was, it was weird. It was weird. Definitely playing in front of. It felt like we were back at you know the beginning of COVID, playing in front of no fans, and um, definitely a little weird. And uh, the Knicks were not up for this game at all. Uh, another third quarter of doom where they gave up 40 points to the Raptors in the third quarter. They got absolutely crushed by Fred Van Vliet, who had 35 points for the Raptors in this game, along with more performances, more good performances. Pascal Siakam had 20 and 14 for the Raptors. 
Uh, OG Ananobi had 14 points. Scotty Barnes, their great rookie, had 13. And for the Knicks, I mean, Obi Toppin tied his career high in points. He had 19 points in this game. Evan Fournier had 20 in this game. R.J. Barrett had 19, but still, this was another bad, bad loss um, for the Knicks. Uh, it's frustrating. They're now three games under 500 at 17 and 20. Uh, now, I, I know at this time last year, the Knicks were kind of in a similar boat, but or at this stage in the season last year. But the thing to keep in mind now is that the East is better. The East is much better than it was last year. Every team in the East, it feels like, has improved a little bit. And it honestly feels like the Knicks really did not improve that much, guys. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But they need to start winning some games. And I agree. You know, I was, like I said, I was one of the people who was like, maybe Julius Randle not being on the team is a good thing. Maybe some time off for him is good. Uh, I ended up being wrong in that case. They need Julius Randle back as soon as possible. Uh, hopefully by one of the Celtics games this week, Julius Randle's back. Hopefully Nerlens Noel also back as well. Because they got to do something uh, quick, guys. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was out for the Raptors game. He was in health and safety protocols. Uh, he said all, all he does is work out and play Fortnite, so he doesn't know how he got COVID. So I guess it was a false positive since he's back so quickly. Uh, let's go into the Knicks' upcoming. Actually, first, actually, before I get to that, I just want to take a look at the conference standings. Um, I'll go through uh, what the conference standings for the East, at least. Um, Chicago Bulls, uh, led by DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, are top of the Eastern Conference right now at 25-10. and 10. They have a two-game lead over the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, are getting Kyrie Irving back, uh, which I am not a huge fan of at all. I mean, ser- I, seriously, I am. I, why are you letting this guy back? Like, and I and, and so, Brooklyn's been using the excuse, "Oh, we don't have enough available bodies. We don't have enough available bodies." You're getting lit. You've literally every player you had that was a, in the COVID protocols, Brooklyn, it is now back. The only player that you're really missing is Joe Harris, who's dealing with a non-COVID injury. So, don't give me that excuse. Like, come on. You're just bringing Kyrie back because you want to bring Kyrie back. Like, come on here. Come on. And they're not going to change the mandate in New York. Kyrie's still going to have to get his vaccine if he wants to play in Brooklyn. But I don't know why I'd bring why you'd bring Kyrie back at this point. I really don't. Um, I, it, it just, I, I, at this point, just let him sit out. Let him sit out. Um, but Kyrie will be back. And the Brooklyn Nets are in second in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, Milwaukee is third. 25 and 14. Miami Heat are fourth, 23 and 15. The surprising Cleveland Cavaliers are 21 and 16. They are in fifth. The Philadelphia 76ers are in sixth at 20 and 16. That all six of those teams would make the playoffs. And then there's the play in. And seventh place in the Eastern Conference is the Washington Wizards. In eighth place is the Charlotte Hornets. In ninth place is the Boston Celtics. And tenth place is the Toronto Raptors. The Knicks are one game behind the Raptors, and it's it's close right now. The Knicks and the Hawks are both trying to get into the play-in with those four teams that are already in there. Uh, these next couple games are big, guys. They got to win these games. Uh, let's talk about the upcoming schedule for the Knicks. Uh, tonight, 
Tuesday, December 4th, or January 4th, excuse me, January 4th, 2022. They will be playing the Pacers at Madison Square Garden. That's a 7.30 tip-off. If you do not live in the New York area, that game's on NBA TV, so check it out. Um, But if you do, it's on MSG, like always. Um, The Pacers have beaten the Knicks twice already this season for two of their wins, uh, but they only have 14 wins on the season. Win this game, please. It's the first time the Knicks have played the Pacers at home this season. Both of those wins for the Pacers were in Indiana. Take advantage on your home floor, please, tonight, Knicks. Uh, after that, they played the Boston Celtics on Thursday. That game is nationally televised on TNT. It starts at 7.30. Uh, the Celtics are kind of in the same range as the Knicks. They actually only have are one game ahead of the Knicks. They're 18-19, and 19, a kind of an up-and-down season for the Boston Celtics. We all remember the first game of the season uh, for the Knicks was against the Boston Celtics. And the Knicks won that game uh, in double overtime. Uh, bing bong. <laughs> but um, why did I say that? Bing bong is dead, guys. Bing bong is dead. Uh, but anyway, uh, we all remember that game. The other time they played uh, was a couple weeks ago in Boston. Uh, and that was the game Kemba came back into the starting lineup. And the Celtics won that game, but Kemba played pretty well. I think he had 29 points in that game. Uh, so... Hopefully the Knicks win that game at home. And then I guess this is a Chara, guys. Remember Chara's? I I guess this is a Chara against the Boston Celtics because on Saturday they will be playing the Celtics again, uh, this time in Boston, and it's at 7.30. So that game is also on NBA TV. So um, hopefully they win that one. And then after that... um, I mean, they got to win these games, guys. They got to start winning some of these games where they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, the Monday after that, they play the Spurs at the Garden. Uh, Spurs only have 14 wins on the season. They play the Dallas Mavericks, who have a bunch of former Knicks on their team after that. They play the Hawks again, the Hornets. These are all games they have to win. All games they have to win. If they're going to turn it on, they're going to turn their season around, it has to happen now. It has to absolutely happen now. Or, or they got to make a move. Somebody's got to go. They got to shake the lineup up. Something has got to be done to make this team better. All right, that just about does it for today's Knicks segment, folks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the crazy week NFL 17 uh, and some fantasy implications. Right, guys week 17 of the nfl is now over and i've seen a lot of people say uh, it was one of the juice like one of the best nfl weeks possibly of all time uh, i would have to agree with it i do not remember a week where like as much like crazy stuff happened and we're going to talk about all of it in just a minute but um i do want to start off by talking about the giants and just kind of like putting a bow uh, on their miserable season, which is finally almost over, they have one more game uh, this week against uh, the Washington football team, uh, which Jake Fromm will be starting. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Whoop, great, awesome, great. Woo. I mean, I, like, I, nobody's going to be watching this game. Like, maybe Jake Fromm's family, and that's about it. Like, nobody's going to be watching this game. But the Giants, you know, another pathetic end to a pathetic season in which. They have just been awful offensively, especially the last 
The last three weeks or so of the season have just been pathetic ever since Daniel Jones got hurt. They scored six points against the Cowboys three weeks ago, 10 against the Eagles in a blowout loss. And then the worst of all, they give they give they only scored three points against the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears who are in last place in their division, if I'm not mistaken, as well, and about to fire their head coach as well. So I don't get Joe Judge. Uh, I liked him at first when he first came here, um, and he's been given two years, and it's not working, in my opinion. And they've said they're going to keep him, but if I'm the Giants, I, I cut bait. I get rid of Joe Judge, especially after his stupid, pointless rant. Like, what was the point of that? Like, are you trying to are you trying to pull a Costanza, my dude? Like, what are you doing with that rant, Joe Judge? What are you doing, my dude? So, I just want to put a bow on the Giants season. Uh, I, I can't believe at one point I thought this was a playoff team. And I thought this was a team that could win the NFC East. <laughs> how dumb am I? That just shows to show you how much football I really watch. Because I like clearly thought I clearly was wrong on that front. Um... If I'm the Giants, I just let's let's just start fresh again. I just press the reset button again. We're talking about a franchise that has won 22 games since 2017, since that boat trip that they took before the Packers playoff game, which I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's, you can't put a lot of stock into that." That was a turning point. That to allow that to happen right before a playoff game, they have not been the same since. They've not been the same franchise since then. They have not been the same organization since then they're a joke giants are pathetic and honestly i'm so, i feel bad for anybody who's going to spend their money going out to metlife stadium this weekend going to that dump of a stadium that dump of a stadium that dump we're going to talk about another, another horrible stadium in just a minute uh but first um i want to talk about a game that was at metlife stadium this weekend uh the buccaneers jets game out and now antonio the main story here is what happened with antonio brown um ab just went crazy now the reports are that Bruce Arians, the Buccaneers head coach, asked him to go back into the game, and A.B. claimed that he was injured and that he, he, couldn't, he couldn't go back into the game. And Bruce Arians basically told A.B., you know, get out of here. And I don't know if that's what set A.B. off to the point where he had that meltdown like that, where he, <laughs> he took off his whole uniform and, and just strutted around the field, waving to the fans, jumping up and down, going crazy. Um... I don't know what what if what exactly. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what led up to that that moment for Antonio Brown. But I will say this: that's unacceptable. You can't act like that. You absolutely can't act like that. And this is a guy, an Antonio Brown, who has been given chance after chance after chance after chance after chance, not only by the Buccaneers, but by the NFL in general. He's been given, so many teams have given Antonio Brown a chance. He is a million-dollar talent with a 10-cent brain, as my dad, what my dad constantly says about soccer players in England. Um, and so... I, I've I've had enough. This is it for me, in my opinion. There is no way Antonio Brown can ever come back from this, in my opinion. He will never play another snap in the NFL. Kudos to the Bucks for cutting him almost immediately. Now, I also respect what Tom Brady said. It kind of reminded me, you know, obviously different different situations, but it did remind me a little bit of what Derek Carr was saying uh, after the Henry Ruggs accident earlier this year, where you know that's one of our teammates. So you're obviously. You just want you just want what's best for them. You want you have sympathy for them, and yeah, obviously it's a tough situation. 
I and so I, I I I respect Tom Brady for saying that. Obviously, he's been through a lot with Antonio Brown. He's somebody who has vouched for for Antonio Brown several times to play not only for when he was on the Bucks now, but when he was on the Patriots as well. He also vouched for Antonio Brown, uh, and he lasted one game in New England before getting cut. And so this is just a guy. I I uh, look. I'm not a doctor. I feel bad because there's all these people on the internet trying to say, like, Antonio Brown has CTE. He has brain damage. I saw the concussion movie. I know he has brain damage. <laughs> like, I, 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 I know there's a lot of people out there who are like that, but um, I, I can't diagnose him for sure. I really can't. But I am, like, I, I do know for a fact that that's unacceptable. Look, I'm a guy who's acted a fool many times in his life, and both both in ways like that and everything but i even i know that's unacceptable you cannot do that and i give credit to the bucks for you know getting rid of him right away uh i, I believe they actually have not officially cut antonio brown since this since this moment but um it, it sounds like they're trying to figure out a way uh to get it done um and ah, it's just it just sucks oh yeah it's a shitty situation. I I feel for the guy. Like he's so like I, I, like I said, or I guess my dad said, million dollar talent, ten cent brain. So I hope he gets the help he needs. I don't think he'll ever play in the NFL. Uh, I did sports on the hill last night uh, with Robbie and uh, with Champ uh, and Arun and uh, Champ. Uh, Ken Washington brought up a good point that Josh Gordon has been given many chances in the NFL as well. But the thing is, Josh Gordon's um, actions are not really behavioral related. He just smokes a lot of weed. Like that—that's—that's that's all he does. He's—he's he's not really acting a fool, really. He just—he just likes to get high. So I think that's different as opposed to somebody like Antonio Brown, who is literally putting himself at odds with his coaches, with his teammates. It's not fair to and and. You know, I, I also it's unfair. I also think it's unfair to compare um, Antonio Brown to Terrell Owens because Terrell Owens is a Hall of Fame wide receiver who played in the Super Bowl on a broken leg. So I don't think Antonio Brown would ever do that ever, ever. He'd put himself before he ever put him the good of the team before himself. So this is a sad situation. And also, Antonio Brown was only like eight catches away from like an extra bonus and like a couple maybe like 50 receiving yards, 60 receiving yards from another bonus, and like two touchdowns from another bonus, and he's not going to get them now. And man, that was a costly outburst, man. That was, cannot do, that's unacceptable. And I don't know, maybe this was just a publicity thing for AB. Maybe he's just trying to get attention, because last night he was courtside at the Brooklyn Nets game. I mean, he's, he's, maybe he saw a chance. Like, I'm in New York, this is my opportunity to act the fool. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was, but... Antonio Brown is done in the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, never say never, but to me, if I were the GM, if I were an owner, I would not bring that guy in. I mean, after all the chances he's been given, enough. Enough with Antonio Brown. Uh, on to some other good games. Uh, Shout-out to Jamar Chase uh, and, and Joe Burrow as well uh, for leading the Cincinnati Bengals to an AFC North title and Jamar Chase for leading me to a fantasy title as well, which we'll talk about in a minute. hey But um, that was a great game as well. Jamar Chase was unbelievable in that game. He had 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. And Burrow was 30 of 39 with four touchdowns. Uh, they went for it on fourth down at the end. They didn't get it, but they called a penalty on the Chiefs, which enabled them to run out the clock. And um, 
and kick the game-winning field goal. Evan McPherson with the game-winning field goal. It was a great game between Kansas City and, and Cincinnati. I would like to see these two teams play again in the playoffs, honestly. Uh, I think we could see it for sure. Uh, well, but congratulations to Cincinnati. I mean, they've come a long way as a franchise you know, to to – you know, their last playoff game was actually the game where Antonio Brown, speaking of Antonio Brown, got concussed by Pac-Man Jones in 2015. That AB was never the same after that game, and neither were the Bengals. And here they are back into the playoffs for the first time since then. So I hope it goes better for them. I know they've been waiting for a playoff win for a long time. I want to say since 1990 as well. So um, that was a good game for them. Uh, just look at some other scores in the NFL. Uh, Titans beat the hell out of the Dolphins uh, in this game, uh, eliminating the Dolphins from playoff contention. I believe right now Tennessee is the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, the Raiders and the Colts was a good game. I was a little nervous because I um, I started I did not start Mike Evans in my fantasy championship because people were saying because uh, they were saying he was going to be a fringe player. He was like barely going to be used. They weren't even going to touch Mike Evans, but. Um, he he had, he had a touchdown, and I started Renfro. But luckily, Hunter Renfro not only had a touchdown, but he had a huge catch at the end of the game that sent the Raiders up for a win uh, to get make them nine and seven, and set up a big playoff showdown against the Chargers next week on Sunday Night Football. The last game of the season will be against the uh, Los Angeles, or almost in San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers uh, for the Raiders uh, on Sunday Night Football. Patriots absolutely destroyed the Jaguars. They put up 50 points. Uh, not even close. Blowout. I already mentioned uh, the A-B story with the Bucks jets game, but one thing that I find really impressive, and I should have included this with the, the whole A-B story, was that the Bucks actually won this game uh, despite a great day from Zach Wilson for the Jets. Uh, if you're a Jets fan, by the way, you should be feeling pretty confident right now that you've, you've got the right quarterback. Zach Wilson looked really good in that game. So... I'd be feeling good if I were a Jets fan, um, but still, I don't want to say this was like a feel-good loss for the Jets, because there's no such thing as a feel-good loss. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is. I've never felt like there's a feel-good loss, but Jets fans, you know, to only lose by four to the Super Bowl champions and to give up a game-winning touchdown to the GOAT, Tom Brady, uh, which is something the Jets have done many, many times, um... You know, I'm sure, you know, that I think the Jets should, you know, be feeling a little bit confident going into the next season that, you know, we can hang with a good team like the Bucks. Like we're we're not too far off. And by the way, really cool thing from this store from this game was that Tom Brady and Zach Wilson was the oldest or the biggest quarterback age disparity in the history of the NFL. 22 years exactly. 22 years. I believe Tom Brady's birthday is August 4th and so is Zach Wilson's birthday. Uh, his birthday is also August 4th, and they were born 22 years apart. So, very interesting uh, there. But the GOAT, Tom Brady, once again, getting it done for Tampa Bay, uh, throwing the game-winning touchdown, even without A.B. It just goes to show you that uh, the Bucks are still for real, and they, they, they don't need A.B. They don't need A.B. They can, they can still win the Super Bowl, with or without A.B. Um Going to the Beltway now a little bit. Um, I didn't see a ton of the Eagles-Washington game, but I know the Eagles won. Washington was driving down the field uh, with a chance to win it towards the end, but uh, the Eagles got an interception, a very nice interception, diving interception in the end zone to seal the game. Uh, they win 20-16. to uh, The story, though, I think about this game was after the game when um, 
fans were leaning over to uh, high-five Jalen Hurts as he was walking off the field. And all of a sudden, the railing or the barrier at FedEx Field collapses, and all of a sudden, all these fans fall onto the field uh, and in front of Jalen Hurts. First off, FedEx Field is a joke. FedEx Field is a dump. It's the worst stadium ever. I, I hate, 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 hate FedEx Field. If I were the Washington football team, who, by the way, we have a story on them in the outro coming up a little bit later. If I were them, I would be doing everything I could to be building a new stadium on the site of RFK. RFK is set to be demolished this year. Uh, I actually went to RFK la uh, last year to pay my respects. I took a picture, a couple pictures and stuff because I knew it was going to be closing soon so I wanted to get one, one last chance in. Uh, if I were the Washington football team, I would go and build a stadium on the site of RFK. It's in D.C. It's, you know, they'll have changed their name uh, by that point. Uh, I think it's it would be a good move overall for the franchise because FedEx Field is a dump. I mean, we see it with the railing collapsing here. We've seen it with the water leaking earlier this year. I mean, just from both of my experience, actually, I guess I've been to FedEx Field three times now. Um, from my experiences there, none of them have been good. I mean, I enjoyed like the concert and everything, like when I went to FedEx Field and the soccer games and everything. But in terms of like getting there, worst stadium like it's in the middle of nowhere like there's no mass transit at all uh it's like a mile walk to the nearest metro center and station it's in it's in the middle of nowhere it's in landover nobody wants to go to landover to watch the washington football team play so and also i'd like to give a shout out to jalen hurts as well because jalen hurts turned what i thought could have been a really bad situation with all these fans collapsing on him he could have gotten hurt either by the fans collapsing on him or the barrier collapsing on him yet Jalen Hurts turned into a really good situation. He took selfies. Yeah, I think he probably hooked them up with some autographs as well. That was really cool of Jalen Hurts to do that. But, man, FedEx Field sucks. That's all I got to say. FedEx Field is a dump. Um, sorry, Tim, uh, but the Ravens, uh, it's not looking good for them. They lost this game to the Rams, a game they desperately needed. Uh, Odell Beckham. Uh, caught the game-winning touchdown. Big win for the Rams because this actually moves them up to the number two seed in the NFC. But, um, yeah, man, I feel for the Ravens. I do like the Ravens. Like, I, I was actually talking to Tim about this morning. This morning, uh, I was saying I actually like don't have anything against the Ravens. Like, I, I, I put it this way. Like, in terms of, like, D.C., Baltimore sports teams, um, the teams I, I, I'm indifferent, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of them or anything, but I'm indifferent towards, are the Nationals, the Wizards, and the Ravens. Whereas I don't like the, the Caps, the football team, or the Orioles. And even then, the Orioles just are in the Yankees division. They, they suck. They're irrelevant. But um, this was a bad loss for the Ravens, um, and it pretty much eliminates them from the playoffs. Baltimore would need to win their game this week. Uh, week 18, uh, I don't even know who they – I think they play Cleveland or Pittsburgh or someone. I know it's somebody in their division, but um, I think it's Pittsburgh. But um, they'd have to win that game. And then they would need the Colts, who lost to the Raiders, as we already mentioned, to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's not going to happen. So sorry to Tim. Sorry to other Ravens fans I know. The other Tim, Tim Horsey, who I work with at SiriusXM, who hosts his own Ravens podcast. Uh I'm sorry to all you guys, but it's looking like it's not looking good. Chargers and 49ers both got big wins. The Cardinals got a huge win over the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Dallas Cowboys are kind of overrated. 
Uh, they have not beaten a single team that is in the playoffs right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Saints got a win to stay alive. Shout out to Michael Edgley on that one. Uh, they beat the Panthers 18-10. to So they have a chance going into the last week of the season. Don't need to comment too much uh, on the Seahawks uh did not beating the Packers in a meaningless game, 51-29. to uh, The Sunday night game, the Packers destroyed the Minnesota Vikings. I believe Minnesota is now eliminated from that game. Kirk Cousins was out. Uh, how's that plexiglass working for you, Kirk? <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, Kirk Cousins... Uh, um, was not, was not, um, was not playing in that game because he tested positive for COVID. Um, and, uh, hopefully, I mean, he's unvaccinated, so play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Anyway, um, Aaron Rodgers had, uh, two touchdowns that really helped me in my fantasy. Devontae Adams had another big game, which also helped me in fantasy. 11 catches, 136 yards, one touchdown, um, and the Packers won that game pretty easily. I did not really – I watched the Wizards last night with Mike, and then I did uh, the roundtable uh, with Robbie Champ and Arun afterwards. Uh, so I did not really see the Browns-Steelers game. I didn't really care about the Browns-Steelers game. Uh, I – you know, look, I've seen a lot of – I don't know. Twitter's algorithms suck, guys. I don't know how what's happening, but every – for like the last week or so, I've been seeing nothing but – tweets about Ben Roethlisberger and they're like the sappiest like lamest tweets ever like oh I'm gonna cry when Ben runs out of the tunnel one more time like I mean we're talking about a dude who who got suspended because he sexually assaulted a girl here but yeah yeah go ahead and cry when Ben runs out of the tunnel like yeah go go weep about it Pittsburgh fans (laughs) uh you're not making the playoffs either buddies um anyway uh the Steelers did win this game uh, Baker Mayfield had a terrible, 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 terrible game for the Browns. Um, he was only 16 of 38, 185 yards, two picks, two touchdowns. Uh, and, yeah, Cleveland, it's not looking good. But Pittsburgh, they finished on – that's another thing I saw a lot of on on Facebook. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, the Steelers haven't finished below 500 since – why is this on my timeline? I'm not a Steelers fan. I don't like the Steelers at all, actually. So why am I, why am I seeing this on my timeline uh, out of nowhere? But um, that, that just about does it for Week 17. Let's do a, a quick uh, standings check as we head into uh, Week 18, and then we'll – briefly run through the week 18 games um tennessee is clinched is right now the number one seed in the afc they've clinched their division same with kansas city the number two seed they're both 11 and 5 cincinnati's the three they're 10 and 6 right now buffalo and new england are both 10 and 6 uh they split the two games they played against each other this season uh i believe buffalo is playing uh, who is Buffalo playing in the last game? They're playing the Jets. Okay, so that's probably a win. And the the Patriots are playing, if I had to guess, the Dolphins, because I think it's all divisional games. Yes, the Patriots are playing the Dolphins this week. So I think that bodes well for, for Buffalo to be in position to clinch the division at least. All, I think all they need is a win. So they're in right now. Uh, the Patriots are also in the playoffs no matter what. It's just a matter of whether they're going to clinch the division or not. That's the top five, and remember, there's two other playoff spots in the AFC in in football now. Indianapolis right now has the last has the sixth playoff spot. Excuse me, the sixth playoff spot. They're nine and seven, 
And the last playoff spot, it will come down to the last game of the regular season between the Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Both of those teams are 9-7. and seven. Whoever wins that game will get the last spot of the playoffs. So hope for a lot of drama in that game. The Baltimore Ravens are the only team that is not, and the Steelers as well. The Steelers and the Ravens are the only two teams that are not officially eliminated. But, I, I mean, like I said, the Colts need to lose to the Jaguars, and that's not going to happen, guys. The Jaguars are a mess right now. Um, and the NFC, the Packers have clinched home field throughout. It's looking like Aaron Rodgers is going to win his fourth MVP award in what will probably be his last season in Green Bay. He's talked all about how this is the last dance. Um, so I, I'll see if the Packers can go on a bit of a playoff run. I mentioned the Rams are the number two seed right now at 12-4. and four. Um, The Bucks are the number three seed at also at 12-4. and four. The Rams also haven't clinched their division, yet they are the number two seed right now. <coughs> Excuse me. Dallas has clinched their division. I think they... Uh, I believe they're locked into the four seed. Uh, I, they might be locked into the four seed, so they'll probably play the winner, whoever doesn't win the division between the Rams and Cardinals. Cardinals right now are the five. Uh, San Francisco is the six. Uh, Philly is in the playoffs right now. They've already clinched the playoff spot no matter what. Uh, it's going to come down to San Francisco and New Orleans for the last playoff spot. For Mike's sake, I hope the Saints make it. It's going to be tough. But we will see what happens. The Saints are playing the Falcons the last week of the season, and the 49ers are playing the Rams. So that's there's a chance. I would say there's a chance, Mike, for sure, that the Saints get in. And then just very quickly going through the schedule on the last game on the last week of the season, um, we have two Saturday games. The first is the Chiefs and the Broncos. That's on ABC. That's on ABC. It's at 4:30 this Saturday, 4:30 Eastern time, I should say, this Saturday. And then there's a second game, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Is also on Saturday. It's at 8.15. That's on ABC, ESPN, etc., etc. Uh, then just running through the schedule, Bengals-Browns, uh, Packers-Lions, Bears-Vikings, Washington football team versus Giants, Colts-Jaguars, Steelers-Ravens, Titans-Texans, Saints-Falcons, Jets-Bills, 49ers-Rams, Patriots-Dolphins, Seahawks-Cardinals, Panthers-Buccaneers, and last game of the season, like I already mentioned, is Chargers-Raiders at 8.20 on NBC Sunday Night Football live from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, California. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas, Nevada. Almost got me there. Almost got me there. Las Vegas, Nevada. Anyway, um, that is a lot of excitement the last couple of weeks of the season. I think it's going to be make for a really exciting close to the season. I'm excited to see how it all turns out, and uh, we, we'll see, guys. I, 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 all I hope is that the Giants fire Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and give fans a refund for their medium soda that they got a couple weeks ago. Uh, all right, folks, I'm going to give you a quick fantasy football update on how I did in my leagues, and then we'll get into the outro. All right, a little fantasy football update for you guys. Uh, I... Well, it's not official in one of them, but it's looking like I'm going to win uh, two of my three fantasy football leagues. I'll start with the league I didn't win. Uh, I finished in seventh in the Impractical League this year. Um, I beat Bennett in the seventh place game. So uh, I will be finishing in seventh. My team, the Diamond Dogs. I mean, you guys all, I mean, if you... I hope you know what that's a reference to by now. Uh, that they, they won the game over Bennett pretty easily. Uh, but I would like to give a shout-out to uh, Arun Bhattacharya, of course. 
uh, former guest of this podcast, a roundtable member, of course. And by the way, the roundtable is coming back very, very soon, so be tuned for stay Stay ready for that. Um, Arun was the winner of our league. He won the championship game over Brian Brito very easily. Uh, really not even much of a fight from Brito, unfortunately. Arun had 157 points to Brito's 98. So Arun Bhattacharya is the champion of the Impractical League. Uh, congratulations to Arun. Um, see, so it probably ended up working out, you know, that, uh, that trade that we, ve- that we vetoed because Mike got a better deal. It probably ended up working out because Arun went on and won the whole damn thing. So congratulations to Arun, uh, a worthy champion this year for sure. Uh, in the Impractical League, uh, Matt Prandoni defeated Tim to come in third. I don't know why the Yahoo app's being glitchy. Here we go. Yeah, um, Prandoni crushed him in the third place game, uh, 167 to 104. Uh, so easy stuff for Prandoni in that one. Um, even though he got the sixth seed, and as I mentioned on the last episode, he complained a lot about how we were a six-team league, but. No, he, he wouldn't have made the playoffs if, if we weren't a six-team league, and here he is finishing in third place. So Prandoni finishes in, in third. Tim obviously finishes in fourth. Um, I think Ian finished in fifth, and then I finished in seventh. Uh, and shout-out to Michael Edgley because he did not finish in last place. Uh, <laughs> he named his team at one point because he thought he was going to finish in last. I will finish in last. Uh, well, he beat John uh, in our fantasy league, uh, night, our last place game, uh, easily. He crushed him, uh, 156 to 122. Uh, so Mike Mike Edgley will not be finishing in last place in the Impractical League. Uh, he'll be finishing in ninth place. Um, all Mike has to do is stop making trades, and he's, he's as many trades as he does, and he's golden in fantasy football. I keep saying that every year, but um, yeah, so. That's the league I didn't want. That's the league I love the most. I like. I really love the Impractical League, um, and I hope to. Uh, I'm looking forward to being back in it again next year. Uh, taking a look at the uh, the Thirty Buck Brotherhood, which I made the finals for. Uh, our, I don't even remember. Is that is that our official name for this league? Somebody's gonna have to tell me. Okay, hang on. The official name for our league is. Uh, Big Dick Menergy. I don't know who came up with that one, but uh, it wasn't me. That's for sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, so what's interesting about the, the Big Dick Menergy uh, championship is that... I <laughs> can't say that with a straight face. Is that um, it's a two-legged final. And I absolutely crushed it in the first leg this week. This is the league where I had Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase got me 52 points. 52, that's the highest scoring of any player this year in that league. So I got that plus 25 from Devontae Adams and 21 from the Chicago Bears defense. That's right. At this point, I'm just starting whoever's going against the Giants on defense. Like, that's my new strategy. Whoever's going against the Giants on defense uh, is my strategy. I got 17 from Renfro. I got... 20 from Aaron Rodgers, 19 from David Montgomery. I I crushed it this week. I had 184.9 points overall in this game compared to Tom's 133.74. So right now I I have a 51-point lead going into week two. I would be shocked if I blow that lead. I I hope I – I mean, I I crushed it this week. 
Uh, even without Aaron Rodgers next week, I still expect to get it done. So we'll see what happens in the final, final week next week. But um, I also I don't like that there's one final week. I, I personally would rather um, rather we just end it in week 17 uh, instead of going to the last possible week. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm not in charge of this league, and I hope I do win this league because there this is a money league. Uh, there's a payout in this league. Uh, I believe I would be getting $150 if I won this league. Now, uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the members of this league, uh, Tim Baltz, um, he unfortunately died uh, this past year. Uh, rest in peace, of course, to Tim. Uh, we miss you, man. Um, he was a huge part of our fantasy league, and uh, still very sad that he's no longer with us. Uh, what I've decided to do with my winnings is, unfortunately, I'm not really in a position... Uh, where I can donate all of my winnings. However, I've decided I am going to donate uh, $40 of my winnings to the American Civil Liberties Union, and I'll also be donating $40 of my winnings to the Animal Welfare League because those are two charities that were close to Tim. And so uh, I'll be donating, uh, on his behalf to those charities, half of my winnings. Um, $5 more than half of my winnings, so $80 in total. So, uh, yeah. That's my plan for the money with the uh, the, the Big Dick Menergy League. I, like I said, I was just happy to even make the playoffs in this league. I, I had never even made the playoffs in this league, so to even make the playoffs is big. And you know, now it looks like I'm, I'm, I'm going to win. So I'm 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 really glad to have won it this year, and I'm glad that I can do something you know for Tim because you know he was a great guy. He was a huge part of our league. He and I uh, we bonded a lot over. <laughs> Our mutual love of Colt McCoy. I really loved Colt McCoy last year when he was the quarterback for the Giants. Um, and Tim, for whatever reason, Tim Baltz uh, loved Colt McCoy. So we we bonded over that a lot last year. And um, yeah, he's just he's still missed to this day. It was very sad when I found out he passed away. And uh, I'll be I'll be donating to causes in his name for sure. Uh, some of my winnings. Uh, the last league that I'm in, uh, I won officially. I am the winner of the Scrub Nation League. I am the last, this is my last ever year in Scrub Nation. I am not coming back to that league. That is 100% for sure. Uh, I am done with that league. That league is officially over to me. I am only going to be a two-man fantasy football league. Two, I'm only going to be in two fantasy football leagues. I'm going to be a two-league man next year is what I was trying to say. A two-league man next year. I'll, I'll be in the, the BDM. We'll just call it BDM. Big, big dick energy. BDM. Um, and I'll be doing the, of course, the Impractical League, where I'm the commissioner of. Those will be the two leagues I'll be in next year. But I did win Scrub Nation uh, one last time before I leave. I actually believe this is my third championship in the last five years in Scrub Nation. It's kind of funny because I think I went championship, didn't make the playoffs, championship, last place altogether, and then out with a bang with the championship in that league. So it's nothing personal against those guys in the league, but really I just don't think I have time for three fantasy football leagues anymore, especially with uh, it not being a money league. And also, uh, Pat's also, Pat Stein, former guest of this podcast, we, I mean, you're all familiar with Pat at this point, he's also leaving that league. So if Pat's leaving, I'm leaving. So that's how I feel about it. But yeah, I'm glad to have won it one last time. Uh, I, I changed my name a lot in that league sometimes to some often pretty inappropriate stuff, and I feel bad about that, and I'd like to apologize to all the members of Scrub Nation for that, because I was a total jackass at times to you guys this year with, with my name changes and the league. I actually asked some of the members last night if 
it was obvious that I was changing my name that much, and they were like, uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of was. So I was like, ah, fuck. So uh, I feel bad. I feel bad. I was I was definitely a jerk, but uh, I'm sorry about that. And uh, I am leaving that league on my own choice. Uh, I I decided that earlier this year. Uh, but it is good to win one last time. And that's pretty much everything that happened in my three fantasy football leagues this year. Once again, shout out to Arun Bhattacharya, a well-deserved champion uh, of the Impractical League, and. Uh, Tom Nelson, you're a worthy opponent in the uh, BDM uh, championship, my dude. Um, we'll see what happens in the last week, but I, I like my chances with a 51-point lead. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, that's what happened in fantasy. Let's get into today's outro. Alright guys, I mentioned this uh, during the NFL segment that we would have a story on the Washington football team, and here it is. Uh, The Washington football team will announce its new name ahead of the Super Bowl, nearly 19 months after dropping its old one. But the team president, Jason Wright, said it won't be the one that became an early favorite on social media. The team announced Tuesday that it would reveal its new name on February 2nd, 11 days before the Super Bowl. During a podcast in September with ESPN's Adam Schefter, WFT co-CEO Tanya Snyder confirmed that the final eight candidates were Armada, Presidents, Brigade, Red Hawks, Commanders, Red Wolves, Defenders, and Football Team. Excuse me. Those team names had previously been revealed, but some team personnel said that it wasn't an official list. On the podcast, Schefter asked Snyder whether those were the candidates, and she replied yes. But Wright wrote on the team website on Tuesday that although Wolves and Red Wolves, by association, were fan favorites, they would not work because of the trademarks held by other teams. We didn't want to go down a legal route, or excuse me, a route that could be dotted with legal hurdles, Wright said in his president's brief. The prospects of years of litigation wasn't something we wanted you, our fans, to have to bear as to begin to embrace a new brand. That's that's nice. Washington, <laughs> that's really nice. Washington football team finally thinking about their fans. Ha! <laughs> Washington went with football team for the past two seasons after announcing on July 13th, 2020, that it would drop the mascot name it had used since the since the team formed in 1932. The franchise began play in Washington five years later and fought off public pressure in the past to change its name. After protests and multiple discussions in the spring of 2020 combined with pressure from sponsors, the team looked into rebranding. Wright was hired in August 2020 to help spearhead the name change. The team will have the same burgundy and gold as its color scheme. We're going forward and that's what the rebrand is all about. Senior advisor Doug Williams, who has been a part of this team as a player and executive for parts of 11 years, said during an episode of Making the Brand on the team website, "I can't wait to see what the team on the field. I can't wait to see the team on the field and its fans in the stands with the rebrand on. It's going to be nice. It's a clean uniform. I believe in clean uniforms. You just got to put a number and a uniform stripes around the shoulders, and that's it. It's going to be a good-looking uniform. So yeah, guys." Uh, after nearly two years, the Washington football team is finally getting its official new name. Um, and I think this is exciting news. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I know it's, it's kind of, I kind of like the name Washington football team. Now I'm a soccer fan, so I, I like a lot of uh, like soccer type stuff. 
And to me, when I hear the name Washington football team, I think soccer team. Like, oh, yeah, we're going down we're going down to the stadium to see the Washington football team play today. We're going to stop and have a couple pints at the pub. Like, yeah, to me, that's what I think of. Now, I doubt that's what they're going to go with. It seems to me, based off of everything that they announced this morning, that it will not be the Washington football team. But if I had to choose a name out of these, ah, oh, man. Um, I do like Red Hawks. If they can't be the Red Wolves... I do like the Red Hawks, although, I don't know, I, I maybe they want to avoid red altogether after, you know, red skins didn't quite work out, so maybe they want to avoid red altogether, but I can see Red Hawks working out. I kind of like the Washington Armada. The Presidents is too generic for me. Like, that's just, like, too, like, that's, like, easy. That's, like, a layup for Washington, D.C. Like, I, I, I wouldn't go with that. Brigade, eh, not really huge about the Brigade. I like Red Hawks. Commanders is okay. I, I did like Red Wolves. I did like the Red Wolves. Uh, I understand why a lot of people are disappointed that that won't be the name. Uh, Defenders is good, but there was already the XFL team that was the DC Defenders. So would these guys be the Washington Defenders? I don't know. Um, and then they said football team, which I, like, again, that's what I would do. I would just stick with the name football team. But if I had to choose one of the non-football team names, I'll go with the Red Hawks. I think that's my personal favorite of this group. I'm excited to see what the new name is. Um, it's always really exciting. I bet a lot of people are still either going to call them WFT or the Redskins or something, uh, even after the rebrand. But this is exciting. This is definitely good news for the Washington football team. All they need now it's really a new stadium, <laughs> and, and then they're then they're golden, and then they'd be. And actually, there's two things the Washington football team needs: a new stadium and Dan Snyder to just like disappear forever. So once those two things happen, then the Washington football team is golden. But if I had to pick one of those names, I'll go with the Red Hawks. So that's my thought on the Washington football team change name change uh, on today's outro. All right, this story just straight up pisses me off. I mean, we're all already the fact that we're in a baseball lockout pisses me off, but this this is a baseball story that pisses me off. Uh, MLB Network has cut ties with insider Ken Rosenthal that is believed to be the end of end result of acrimony that peaked in the summer of 2020 after Rosenthal criticized Commissioner Rob Manfred. The New York Post has learned Rosenthal. A top newsbreaker was first kept off the air for around three months, according to sources, after he wrote columns in 2020 with the season in jeopardy due to the pandemic, analyzing Manfred's handling of the situation for the athletic. There was no stated suspension at the time, and it went publicly unnoticed. Rosenthal was still paid, but was put in a month-long, month, months, not month, months long penalty box. He did return for the t- trade deadline, which was pushed back to August 31st that season due to COVID-19. Since then, Rosenthal has been on regularly with Major League Baseball Network, including as late as prior to Christmas on MLB Tonight, one of the network's signature shows. His contract was up at the end of last year. Rosenthal, 59, remains at Fox Sports, where he's a fixture on its weekly coverage and is a dugout reporter for its top games, including the World Series. He will also continue at the Athletic. Rosenthal declined to comment. However, Rosenthal did tweet 
uh, last night, and I'm going to pull up that tweet. I wish I had it pulled up immediately after I read that article from the New York Post written by Andrew Marchand. But uh, here is the tweet from Ken Rosenthal from last night. <clears throat> Can confirm MLB Network has decided not to bring me back. I'm grateful for the more than 12 years I spent there and my enduring friendships with on-air personalities, producers, and staff. I always strove to maintain my journalistic integrity, and my work reflects that. Nothing else is changing for me professionally. I am proud to remain part of the great teams at the Athletics and Fox Sports. So, Rob Manfred's a clown, and we all know that. Rob Manfred's an idiot, and this is yet another example of Rob Manfred being a clown and an idiot and a, a clown show, like a freak show, like circus boy. Like, oh, what the hell is this? Why are you firing one of your premier baseball reporters from your network? That's just a terrible look. It's an awful look. And it's going to affect Rob Manfred's relationship with not only MLB Network, I think, but you know, to know that you know he can just have one of their top reporters, one of their best baseball reporters in decades, fired for criticizing him. And that's going to affect his relationship with them. It's going to affect his relationship with Fox. It's going to affect his relationship with The Athletic. Rob Manfred needs to go. He needs to go. He's a clown. He's a circus. I guess it's a joke. Uh, I've had enough of Rob Manfred as commissioner. To do this to Ken Rosenthal, who's done nothing but great things for your sport. Report on your sport. Make people draw eyeballs to your sport with his articles and his reporting. It's not fair. It's it's just not fair to Ken Rosenthal. He deserves better. He's one of the best baseball writers. We're right up there with Jeff Passan and the Buster Olneys and all those guys who are up there among the best reporters, in my opinion, in all of baseball. They are the best in the game. And it sucks that this happened to him. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I, and Rob Manfred's got to go. I don't know how much more we can take of this as him as commissioner between the Astros stuff, his comments before the World Series this year, hand, how he handled the 2020 season, how he's handling this lockout right now. We can't have enough of this. We can just enough of this from Rob Manfred. Enough, enough, enough. He's got to go. I, I mean, I, I don't know how we get a commissioner out of power. I guess it's his owner buddies, and they're never going to vote Rob Manfred out of power, so forget that. But I, I, when I saw this, I was legitimately angry. I was like, that's just not, like, you, how dare you fire somebody just because they had the balls to criticize you? Like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Like, does Roger Goodell go to everyone's house when they criticize him and fire them? No, no, not at all. So this is, I was really disappointed to see this news. And uh, I hope Ken, you know, Ken, it's good that Ken Rosenthal will stay on at Fox. It's good that he'll stay on at the Athletic, but I mean MLB Network's definitely going to suffer without the loss of Ken Rosenthal. I know Ken Rosenthal was not the only uh, MLB Network reporter to uh, to leave this year. I know Chris Rose also left the MLB Network, um, so maybe it's falling apart a little bit. The MLB Network. I hope it doesn't because they do provide great you know baseball content, especially like some of their history shows and stuff. But overall, ugh, do better, Manfred. Alright, maybe, just maybe, it's time for me to start paying attention to the Rangers again. I, I know I've said several times how much I'm down on hockey, how much I hated the last hockey season, how annoying Caps fans are. All of that is true. Like All of that is still true. Guys, the Rangers are playing some great hockey right now. Um, ever since the season came back from its brief pause, 
uh, right before Christmas. Rangers have been playing great. They've won every game since then. Uh, they beat. I'll just very quickly go through the games they've played since then. Um, on December 29th, they went down to Florida, and they lost. I'm sorry, they lost to Florida. They did lose to Florida. That's my fault. I read the score wrong. They lost to the Florida Panthers. But that's okay, because if I'm not mistaken, Florida is one of the best teams in the league. Uh, yeah, they're right up there with the Rangers. So they're right up there with the Rangers for the best team in the league, so that's okay. You're okay with the 4-3 loss to Florida. But ever since then, they've been playing great. They beat the Lightning in a shootout, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in a shootout. Uh, Mika Zibanejad scoring the game-winning shootout goal in that one. Uh, I know the Rangers gave up a late goal to tie it, but that was a really fun Exciting game that the Rangers won 4-3 in the shootout. Um, and then um, and then they played Tampa again on Sunday. They played them just two days ago on Sunday, and they absolutely crushed them at home. I believe that was Igor Shosturkin. Uh Yeah, it was only like his second or third shutout of his career at that point. And Mika Zibanejad had a hat trick. So Mika Zibanejad's on fire lately. He's one of the best players in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know every single player in the National Hockey League, but if I'm not mistaken, Mika's got to be one of the best players in the league. And Chris Kreider also had three assists, and the Rangers turned first three first-period goals into a 4 nothing win over Tampa Bay. So that's really awesome to beat Tampa Bay back-to-back like that. The defending Stanley Cup champions, that's really cool uh, for the Rangers. And then, last night, the Rangers beat the Oilers. So suck it to my friend Adrian, uh, who's an Oilers fan. Uh, suck it to him because uh, the Rangers beat the Oilers 4-1 to at Madison Square Garden. Easy stuff. Uh, Georgiev had 33 save. Lafreniere scored the first goal. Barclay Goudreau, who they just got from Tampa this year, scored the second to make it 2-0. Uh, Kreider and Strom got the third and fourth. Just easy stuff against the Oilers. And the Rangers right now, as a result of that victory, have the most points in the entire National Hockey League at 48. They are in first place. Technically, they are ahead of the Washington Capitals. Yeah, I love that. I love being ahead of the Washington Capitals. Uh, In the league, conference, and division, they're ahead of the Washington Capitals. Gotta love that. Um, So right now in the NHL, the Rangers have 48 points. And uh, the Capitals also have 48, but the, the Rangers are shown as ahead, which is good. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, Carolina also has 47, and so does Tampa Bay. Florida, like I said, they're a good team. They have 46. Um, those are all the East teams. Uh, Toronto also has 44. Pittsburgh is 41. Uh, I think it's – I don't know how many teams exactly make the playoffs this year. I know it changes a lot in the NHL. But, uh, guys, I think it might be time for me to start paying attention to the Rangers again. I I know I'm hot and cold on hockey. I I know I've had my ups and downs with hockey. I am much, much, much more into baseball, basketball, even football, uh, soccer, too. I'm much more into those sports. But I feel like it's time to start caring about the Rangers again because they're good. They're good. And no no offense to the Knicks, but they're, they're clearly showing to be a better team than the Knicks so far this season. I mean, they're in first place in their entire league. Whereas the Knicks are not even in the play-in right now. So maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to start paying attention uh, to the to the Rangers a little bit more. Um, I would love to see them play the Capitals again. Uh, the only time they've actually played this season, um, the Rangers got blown out. I think it was like it was like 7 nothing or something like that. Easy blowout win. But the Rangers have been much better since then. So I'd love to see us go up against the Capitals again. I really would. 
Uh, after this, after that, that, um, that Oilers game, uh, last night, the Rangers have a couple days off. They don't play again until Thursday. They have a West Coast trip. Uh, I believe this is their second West Coast trip of the season. They're going to Vegas, Anaheim, LA, and San Jose for a four-game West Coast swing. Um, I guess cross-border travel is allowed if the Rangers played the Oilers at Madison Square Garden last night. Um, but... So maybe I was wrong in what I said earlier about there not being cross-border travel. But either way, um, you know, it's not like I'm an idiot when it comes to the Rangers. Like, I, I know the ma- I know pretty much all their players. I, I know – I just don't pay attention nearly as much as I do with the Yankees or the Knicks, really. Um, I know uh, January 28th is going to be an epic night because that's the night that uh, Mika Zibanejad's number will be going to the rafters at Madison Square Garden. So that's going to be – not Mika. What the fuck am I talking about? Henrik Lundqvist's jersey will be going to the Raptors at Madison Square Garden on January 28th against the Minnesota Wild. So I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, Henrik, of course, the greatest goalie in Rangers history, uh, a legend at Madison Square Garden. He's Now it's great to see him. He doesn't do every game, but it is nice to see him uh, occasionally on the pre- and post-game show for MSG. Him and Valaket, who I've met. I've met Steve Valaket back uh, a couple years ago. I think he follows me on Twitter still. Um, Great dude. And um, I think uh, they feed off each other well. I think they've got great chemistry. Uh, It's really cool to see Henrik Lundqvist back involved with the team. Um, And it's cool that the Rangers this month are really posting all of Henrik's classic moments to Facebook and Instagram because it's cool. It's like a trip back down memory lane when I like really gave a shit about hockey. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I have to start paying attention to the Rangers more guys. Like it, it just seems like, just seems like they deserve our attention right now. New York should start paying attention to the Rangers. Like they deserve our attention with the way they've played so far this season. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley cup or anything, but they're off to a really good start. So New York, if you're listening, anybody in New York out there, Start paying attention to these guys more. They could go on a run, kind of like NYCFC did this year, which would be great for the city. So uh, let's, uh, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. <laughs> All right, so the festive period for uh, the EPL was pretty wild. Um, a lot of really good games. Unfortunately, a lot of games were also postponed due to COVID. I think 11 or 12 games overall were suspended or postponed due to um the EPL's ongoing COVID situation and numerous teams testing positive for COVID. There were some still still some good games, especially the last weekend, uh, the New Year's period. Uh, the first game of 2022 between Arsenal, my Gunners, and um, Manchester City was a fantastic game. Arsenal took an early lead uh, behind a soccer goal, uh, and they looked great. I mean, I was talking with my dad. That game was really early. It started at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday morning, but it was still... I was still up and I watched the whole thing and I was talking with my dad. Arsenal looked so good and I was so fired up um, when they looked. I mean, when they were 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 pressing and defending, they looked like a completely different team compared to what they were. But then in the second half, the Gabriel yellow, red card for getting sent off um, was dumb, stupid. You can't make that mistake, especially when you're already on a yellow like that. Uh, obviously leading to uh, the first Manchester City goal uh, by Mares, the penalty kick, and then the goal by Rodri in uh, stoppage time to win it, um, which was a dagger. I mean, I know Arsenal tried to do their best on social media saying, like, you know, we fought till the very end. You know, we're proud of our team. But that was a 
brutal loss. I mean, just a terrible loss if you're a Gooner. Just very frustrating. Very sad. Like, just to have the lead and to give it up like that to the best team in all of England, if not the best team in all of Europe, is tough. It's tough. But Arsenal are in fourth right now. They are one point ahead of West Ham for the last Champions League spot. Uh, they have 35 points. Um, the top three is Arsenal at fourth, Liverpool in third, Chelsea in second, and Man City is running away with it right now. They have a 10-point lead atop the table in the English Premier League. Chelsea and Liverpool also played to a great game on Sunday, a classic. Uh, I mean, first off, Sadio Mane probably should have been sent off. I, I've seen the foul now a couple times. I think he probably should have been sent off for that uh, yellow card offense in the first couple seconds of this match. He went on to score like almost right away, and then Salah scored a beauty to give Liverpool a 2-0 lead, and uh, it just looked bad for Chelsea, but then Mateo Kovacic, I mean, out of nowhere, Mateo Kovacic, who saw that coming? With a beautiful goal to make it 2-1, and then my boy, the American star, the LeBron James of soccer, baby, Christian Pulisic with the equalizing goal to make it 2-2. Unfortunately, there was not a ton of action in the second half, and this match finished 2-2 between Chelsea and Liverpool, which was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to Manchester City uh, because now they have a clear 10-point lead over second-place Chelsea in the Premier League. Liverpool are definitely in a little bit of trouble. Uh, they're going to lose several of their key players over this next couple of weeks due to the African Cup of Nations, which, I mean, I personally don't think the African Cup of Nations should be held this year. I, I get why they are. It's a huge tournament. It's a big, big deal. Happens every year, but still, this is not the year I would do the African Cup of Nations with all the COVID spreading around Europe and all the COVID just causing chaos throughout all the European soccer leagues. This is not the year I would do AFCON. However, uh, Liverpool are going to probably be more affected by AFCON than any other team in the Premier League. They're going to lose Salah, Mane, a couple other key players as well um, for their team. Uh, so that's going to be a tough loss for Liverpool. We'll see if they can keep up the pace. Um, it's going to be tough for them. Um, there is no Premier League this week. Uh, it's all cup matches this week, the Carabao Cup uh, and the FA Cup, uh, including, shout out to my dad, Millwall versus Crystal Palace. I'm looking forward to that. I believe that is uh, this Saturday, that game. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll definitely watch that. Uh, I should mention the Man United Wolves game was pretty good yesterday. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, that Wolves won really late uh, over Manchester United. I just don't know what Manchester United are doing right now. Um, I don't know why they brought in, like, this whole Rangnick situation completely confuses me. Why would you bring him in as the temporary manager? He's only going to want to be the full-time manager. You're going to make him a consultant? He's going to tell whoever's hiring the manager, hire me. So I don't really understand that, that whole situation with Manchester United. Uh, plus, you know, of course, their whole ownership situation with the, uh, with the Glazers, I, I don't think. Now that the Glazers have Tom Brady on their American football team, they don't really have time for their English football team, it feels like. Um, but yeah, um, let me see if I can pull up the Carabao Cup. I mean, it's the Carabao Cup, so who really cares? But um, yeah, so the Carabao Cup. Uh, on Wednesday, the semi first leg of the semifinals between Chelsea and Spurs will be played. That's Wednesday at 245 
Uh, and then the first leg of Arsenal-Liverpool will also be Thursday uh, at 2.45. I don't really care about the Carabao Cup. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's kind of a pointless trophy. Uh, to me, it's the FA Cup is the only cup that really matters. I don't care about the Carabao Cup. FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League are the only ones that matter to me. The League Cup, the Carabao Cup, whatever you want to call it, irrelevant. Irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. Um so those are the semifinals. Let's see what we got in the FA Cup this weekend, because I know we've usually got a couple good FA Cup. Ah, yes, a couple Giants versus not as much Giants. We have Manchester City versus Swindon Town on Friday. Uh, that's that's at that's at three o'clock on Friday. That's on ESPN Plus. Um, and then just all kind. There's a lot of really good, uh, the, you know, interesting matches. Burnley versus Huddersfield. Bristol City versus Fulham. Millwall versus Crystal Palace. Like I said. Uh, these are all, I think, very interesting matchups. Newbridge versus Newcastle versus Cambridge. Um, these, these, uh, these. I love the FA Cup. I love the FA Cup. You can't see, you don't see that in the Carabao Cup. That's for damn sure. Kidminster versus Reading. Sign me up for that, please. Uh, but yeah, no Premier League uh, official Premier League games uh, for a while. Uh, the next official Premier League game is not until next Tuesday. We've got Southampton versus Brentford and Everton versus Leicester. So stay tuned for those games uh, next Tuesday. I do want to talk about Ricardo Pepe um, signing the MLS record fee to go to Augsburg um, in the Bundesliga. Uh, $20 million. Not only the MLS record fee, is Augsburg's record signing for any player as well. I don't know how I feel about this. I thought Pepe was going to go to a bigger club, to be honest. Uh, then Augsburg, no offense to them, but they're in a relegation fight in the Bundesliga. So they're, yeah, that's not exactly the first choice I would have gone to. But I'm happy for the kid. He needs to start playing some minutes in preparation of not just World Cup qualifying, which we've got at the end of this month, but also um, uh, the World Cup itself in November. And with the MLS schedule being as weird as it is, he's just not going to get that at FC Dallas. So... I don't blame him for making this move, and I don't blame him for making it now. He cashed out. He got the most money possible, and let's hope Ricardo Pepe turns into a star in the Bundesliga the way several other Americans have in the past and currently as well. We've seen a couple of Americans do well currently in the Bundesliga. I actually saw a graphic uh, just last night that I sent to my dad um, of all the Americans doing well in the Bundesliga. Here it is. Uh, Here it is. Uh, Hang on. I don't know why it's... There we are. Ricardo Pepe, Gio Reyna at Dortmund, obviously. Joe Scali at Borussia Mönchengladbach. Tyler Adams. All these guys are doing really... I I mean, at least I hope Pepe does well, but all the guys, Reyna, Scali, and Adams have been doing great. John Brooks at Wolfsburg. Chris Richards at Hoffenheim. These are all guys who have gone to Germany and done well. And that's pretty much all i got to say on soccer. I hope Ricardo Pepe does well. We'll, I'll see what happens with some other transfer moves involving Americans this this window. There's been rumors about Brendan Aronson making the move from Salzburg to Leeds. There's been rumors about um, about uh, uh, excuse me, Gio, uh, Serginio Des leaving Barcelona. Uh, I've heard people say that's almost a damn near certainty to happen as well. Um, yeah, I'll be definitely keeping my eye uh, on all these soccer-related um, stories as as we get closer to the end of the year. And that pretty much does it 
for today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I want to thank you for listening uh, on this this snow day type episode, if you will. Um, I, I, I really, I've, yeah, I'm glad this is my first episode of the new year. I'm not sure when the next episode is going to come out. Uh, I have been talking to Tim and Mike about doing a roundtable, and I think we're going to do a roundtable uh, next week, if I'm not mistaken. I think should be the time to do a roundtable. So stay tuned for that. I'm not sure if there will be another episode this week. It might be on Friday. Uh, we'll see how I'm feeling on Friday. We'll see how I'm feeling on Thursday when I most likely record it. Um, but now that I've got all this episode out of the way, I feel good. I, I would like to say I haven't really watched a ton of like movies and TV shows lately. Uh, but I, one show I did binge really hardcore while I was house sitting for Robbie is Succession. Uh, it's on HBO and HBO Max. Uh, I'm sure most of you all probably know about it by now. It's about this crazy family that's extremely rich and extremely wealthy, and their dad is just like a complete lunatic, uh, and they're all trying to strive to replace him as the head of their company, and it's, it's a really, really good TV show, guys. So I highly recommend checking out Succession uh, if you haven't seen it. Um, I can't really do it justice. I love Kendall Roy. The character of Kendall Roy is so good, and uh, uh, Kieran Culkin as well as Roman is great. Uh, it's a really good show. I highly recommend Succession if you haven't watched it. If you've got any TV recommendations or movie recommendations for me, please let me know. Uh, I would love to go see new movies or go watch a TV show as long as I'm COVID negative. That's all that matters. Um, but yeah, folks, thank you for listening to today's episode. And I'd like to remind you to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at bbride1991. Uh, stay tuned for future episodes, potentially later this week, if not next week, uh, round table with Tim and Mike. Uh, and yeah, that just about does it folks. Have a good rest of your week. Stay safe, stay warm, get your COVID vaccine and I'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.